0: Hello and welcome to episode 9 of the It Is Well podcast. Today is the third part of our relationship series where my wife and I, we've been looking at three parts of relationship. Episode um, 7 was singleness, episode 8 was in a relationship and this episode, episode 9, we're going to be looking at marriage. And the way this works is we've done a live Facebook Q&A where we've had lots of questions, we've been answering lots of um, topics and things like that, and we've recorded it and we've trimmed it down into this episode which you're about to listen to. So I hope you enjoy it. Uh, Any questions or any feedback or um, anything that it may have brought up that you need to talk about, please don't hesitate to message me and I would love to talk to you or point you in the right direction um, wherever you may need to go. So yeah, like I said, enjoy this episode. So... How long were you married before we decided to have a child? And when and how did we know it was the right time to have a child?
1: Okay, so um, we were married, Gosh, this going to take some maths, for a year and a half before we um, started trying for a baby and then so we were married for over two years when we had Aoife. Um, and how did we know it was the right time? I mean, if it was down to Mark, we would have had Eva from day one because he's so broody. And um, for me, I'd like I'd kind of reached a point in my career where I felt like it was the right time to take a break. Um, we were both like we love children and we're really ready to to have our own. I don't know. It just felt like the right thing to do, and we thought, why not? I think you can overthink these things, like. You'll never have enough money, you'll never have, like, everything you need together to have children, but, um, but somehow, like, you get by and you manage and people do, and we really trust that God um, had it, that this was the time for us as well
0: very good yeah I would uh, completely back up everything about that especially the part of me wanting to have a baby from day <laughs> one um, and my mum who's watching can vouch for that because I'm always broody um, all the time um, but That's it's okay babies. I love babies I love kids I think they're amazing um, and we've got some more people that have joined since. so we've got Amy Ran hi Amy. hello Amy hope you're well um, and we've also got Gina Gina came on as well which is exciting um, and Ellie Quantic Um, Some old school friends have joined. Um, Yeah, quite a few, which is cool. Um, Oh, Natalie, that's a really good question. So, do you you guys... Sorry, let me start again. This question is, do you guys know your love languages? If you do, how do you put them in your relationship? So, Rachel, what's my love language?
1: Your love language is physical touch and words of affirmation as well. Yeah. What's my love language? Your
0: main one is acts of service. Mm -hmm. Acts of service. Um, And that's the only one I can remember actually. Um, What's your other one? (laughs) Quality time. Quality time, oh of course it is. That's why you wouldn't leave my side through the whole of this lockdown. Literally she's like this face-to-face, face, like, I want to be close to you at all times. Unfortunately
1: um, for Mark, my love language is not gifts; otherwise he would be broke. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, we love the love languages, so Dr. Gary Chapman um, kind of devised these love languages and you can read the book about it, you can do an online test, it's really, really fun to do as a couple. Um, and they can change as well, I think, over time, but generally they're quite fixed. And you can do it for relationships, for um, work colleagues. Like You can do them with your children, they're brilliant. Um, and basically it's how you like to receive love and also how you like to demonstrate love. Um, so what's really interesting with love languages is, for example, mine. one of mine is acts of service. So I feel very loved from Mark when he does something for me. But also I have to be careful because then my way of demonstrating love and showing love is doing something for him. But that's not his love language. He receives love through physical touch. So he likes a hug all the time and he, <laughs> and he likes to be told how much he's loved and, and why he's loved and things like that. So I have to be careful that the way I like to receive love and the way I like to give love is not actually the way he receives love. And I have to remember that when he does something like a word of affirmation, um, you know, talking me up, telling me he thinks I'm wonderful, that's not the way I receive love, but it's the way he gives it, and I recognise that in him. Um, This is a really long-winded explanation, but I just I love love languages, and um, I think the biggest thing you can remember is just because it's how you show love, you need to remember that they show it in a different way and that is them showing that they love you and also how you can really hurt each other is hurting each other through the love languages so um for me like not spending quality time with me is a real kick to the stomach because that's my love language so mark will know that that will upset me more than him forgetting to get me a birthday
0: present for example yeah and I also think um with the the words of affirmation one is that's that's my love language but it's not necessarily Rachel's love language so I'm always telling Rachel that I love her all the time like I love you I love you all literally all the time and I remember once Rachel said to me like can you not say it because it, it, it's going to run out of meaning and it, it, it doesn't mean the same if you say it all the time um all words to that effect and um Like Rachel saying, I felt really hurt. Obviously, Rachel hadn't done that on purpose, but I felt really kind of um, gutted about it. And I was like, oh, but it will never run out of meaning because I mean it every single time I say it. Um, So that was a real kind of gutting moment. And also, I think it's so important because not everyone's love language is physical touch. Um, So (coughs) if you you go and hug someone and they're not a hugger, um, then you're going to potentially upset them pee them off scare them away um, and the way this comes into relationships is is understanding e- each other's because um, then it, it will if I'm having a bad day Rachel knows that I just want to cuddle up and watch a film um, and I'm not a talker like yesterday I was in a really grumpy mood um, and basically I just I just said how um, I don't want to talk like if you gave me the choice of sitting down and having a nice conversation, or cuddling up under a blanket and not talking for the next two hours while the film's on i would last night i would have hands down picked the film because i wanted to just have that kind of physical touch because i was having a down day um but yeah hopefully that explains it and if you don't if you haven't heard of love languages i really strongly recommend that you look into them um even if you're single and even if you have no intention of getting into a relationship look up your love language because you'll learn so much about yourself And you'll learn why you feel down when certain people do certain things and why you feel uplifted when certain people do certain things. Um, Yeah, I think they're they're so vital and they've, um, I'm not sure if Rachel said this already because I wasn't really listening because I was sorting out some other bits. That sounds very rude, I'm sorry. Um, I love you. (laughs) Um, They're doing ones for children as well. Um, So the love language of children because every child has a love language as well. Um, And I I know children can be really hard to read, but every child has a love language and also, they're doing one for parents as well so for parents to understand their children um and for parents to understand each other does that make sense Mm -hmm. um so yeah love languages is a great one so thank you so much for that uh, question natalie there's a phrase in in marriage and in relationships called the honeymoon period and basically what this is is obviously when you first get married the start of your relationship you go away on a honeymoon and you go off and you do whatever so we went on a cruise for two weeks it was absolutely amazing it was a dream um, and we're still paying it off now but yeah so we went off on this cruise for our honeymoon and that was the first part of our marriage and there's a lot of people that say a honeymoon phase is your first section of your marriage, whether it be however long, it's your first section of marriage and it's always the best section, and that your honeymoon phase comes to an end and that's when it goes downhill. Um, but I, I believe that the honeymoon period, as people call it, is an. A whole load of rubbish it, it is it doesn't exist I don't believe that there is no such thing as a honeymoon period um, and if it is if there is then it will last as long as you allow it to uh, so we've got friends who are married for they've just had, celebrated their 40th wedding anniversary and they are just as in love as they with each other as they were from day one obviously I didn't know them then because I wasn't even born then um, but from what I hear they still love each other just as much and also they're still playful they still play hide and seek around their house these are people that are like 60s 50s 60s and they still play hide-and-seek around their house Um, obviously they are gonna be 60s if they've been married 40 years Uh, but yeah so they play play hide-and-seek they shoot each other with nerf guns they play all sorts of games all around their house they go off on these holidays they go off on big adventures and for them they're still in their honeymoon period and that's been 40 years of fun and learning about each other so um, yeah I believe that the honeymoon phase doesn't end um, it, it ends when you allow it to and for me and Rachel we're still in it and um, yeah we have our down days we have our days where we're um, we're not getting on as well as we normally do but that's natural because you're human beings and again with love languages it peaks and troughs you have moments where you need certain things um, and we, we, we're not an argumentative couple we have our fallouts uh, but we we don't shout at each other, we don't raise voices, we don't slam doors, we don't do that kind of thing. Um, I used to as a teenager, just ask my parents. Um, but yeah, we're not like that, so we're still in our honeymoon phase now and it will last as long as we allow it to. Um, so yeah.
1: Also, I think the honeymoon phase can be a misleading concept anyway, like I know other couples who their first year, two years of marriage was really hard. So. The idea that everybody should have this honeymoon phase I think is quite damaging to the couples who for whatever reason just struggle in those first couple of years. So yeah, I think just wipe the concept of honeymoon phase completely and just enjoy marriage.
0: Did having a baby change your marriage? Yes. Care to elaborate? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, of course it did. In, uh, I think in a really, fun and new way like I don't, I don't think it was a bad change um but yeah it changed our our priorities are different not that um our children come above our marriage we think our marriage is um the most important relationship here on this earth um like between two earthly beings so we we think that our like that marriage uh, that relationship the most important but our priorities in terms of looking after our daughter and making sure that she's healthy and happy and well is is obviously both of our priority Um, so yeah, we get maybe less time together to do things because we need to obviously do stuff for her Um, and you know, logistically we we can't just go out uh, at the drop of a hat and leave her so we have to take her with us or um, find other arrangements so yeah, it did change us and it changed um, us in terms of kind of I guess our responsibility to each other like it's it's my responsibility to look after Mark in a way that he can be a good dad for her Um, and it was Mark's responsibility and definitely when we first had her he really took on the role of caring for me um, as a priority I'd say so that I could care for our daughter because obviously in those first few weeks it was a lot of just feeding cuddling um, things that that a, a lot of it only I could do. Um, so Mark just completely took over, kind of looking after me, making sure I was fed, happy, comfortable, um, and kept it private for us in our home. Made sure that we didn't have too many visitors. So yeah, we, we just had to take on different roles. Um, but I think for the for the better. We've never really asked each other that question, but um, it feels like our relationship is at at its best point today than it was yesterday than it was the day before etc etc
0: yeah I think um, it does it changes your life of course it does it changes it changes your marriage changes your life it just changes you as a person as well Um, and it can't not because all of a sudden you're responsible for this innocent being that had no choice in the matter (laughs) like Aoife our daughter who's currently sound asleep upstairs she didn't ask to be born she didn't asked to be put with Rachel and I as parents um, and as Christians we believe that God had that planned since day one and that scripture says clear as anything in Psalm 139 that he knit, ether, obviously it doesn't it's not worded like this in the Bible but he knit Aoife together in Rachel's womb and knows the amount of hair that's on her head, which if you know her, it's a bit crazy at the moment. Uh, It's cute though. Um, Yeah, so God knows her and God plans everything out or every step of our life is planned out, we believe. Uh, But anyway, this isn't um, that kind of topic we're going to be focusing on marriage more. But yeah, I I agree wholeheartedly with Rachel that it did change our marriage, made it better, um, also made us crazier like I'd say we're crazy like more crazy than we've ever been and um, if I swear if there were like cameras hidden around this house during this lockdown they'd have seen some crazy stuff and to be honest with you I feel sorry for Aoife um, because (laughs) she's got us as parents like we're absolutely bonkers she's she's got us she's stuck with us Um, obviously we love her unspeakable amounts Um, and she's just wonderful but yeah anyway that's gone off topic a bit um So I'm going to answer um, this one actually and I won't say who asked this question um, just in case um, they asked it with the intention of following the question forward. Um, So this question was given to me on um, Instagram and it said what advice would you give someone who's planning on popping the question Um, and I'm assuming that question is will you marry me Um, and there's a few things that I would say on this number one you have to be 100% sure that is what you want to do uh, that both of you want it um, 100% because marriage is not to be entered into lightly that was in our vows when we got married it's something that is serious like one of the most serious things you'll ever do um, and it's for life and obviously there are certain circumstances in which marriages do break down and the statistics on marriage or break marriageal breakdowns is just insane I think it's like 50% of all marriages ending in divorce I think it's even worse than that in the States Thomas if you could clarify um, if you know obviously but yeah so it's not something to be entered into lightly so if someone's planning on popping the question I would say make sure it's what you want to do uh, because there's no going back once you've um, once you've tied the knot and got married there's no going back and also make it special because Um, there's only one chance you'll get to ask that question. And Rachel and I often talk about the day when I proposed to her and we play it through and I still remember every single part of it. Um, And it's one of the the only times I've ever lied to Rachel in our relationship and I told her that we're going on a date day to Brighton to go ring shopping um, and just window shop just so I could have an idea of what kind of ring, engagement ring Rachel would like. Um, And I lied to her and said, we're going to go to Brighton. I'll pick you up at this time. And we'll go. Uh, but instead, um, my dad took me to a forest about like a 45 minute drive away. And I hid in, I set up like a gazebo and made it look really, really cute. Um, my dad helped me with that. And, um, I posted a letter through Rachel's door and just said bit of a change of plan we're not going to Brighton I'm hidden and you need to come and find me and then I gave her like a list of instructions and directions on how to find me and then yeah and then I pops the question um, and we talk about that today we talk about that and um, we will talk about it for the rest of the lives when our grandkids are asking us how we got engaged and how we got married their stories that are going to be told forever um, in our eyes so you have to make it special and have to make it something that's going to be remembered don't just do it on a limb, like you eat spaghetti. Oh, while we're here, do you want to marry me? Like, I mean, if that's what like ticks your boxes, if that what if that's what you both enjoy, then sure go for it. But um, you have to make it special. So, just to recap, know it's what you want to do and make it special for her. I mean, I didn't pop the question, so I can't
1: that's add, very true. add much to it, but
0: it was special and I really enjoyed it. And just off topic, um, when me and my dad were sat on the bench <laughs> um we were sat on the, at the bench where I, I proposed to Rachel and had like the gazebo and picnic basket and everything and I was just sat with my dad and we were just talking and I'll never forget the conversations we were having just about life it was a real special moment between a father and a son and a lady walks by and said oh what's going on here and I went oh, I'm, I'm gonna propose and my dad just popped in and went not to me <laughs> it just it was just one of those moments then when I told her um that I planned on proposing she just came and gave me a massive hug uh, which was lovely back in the days when you're allowed to hug um <laughs> in public <laughs> anyway uh cool Rachel uh this question came in um during the week and it is how do you as a married couple deal with conflict mm,
1: good question um I mean I guess it depends on the type of conflict but I think we brought this up in a in an earlier live session but um we we follow like a couple of key like biblical principles um so one of them is not keeping a record of wrongs so when we do have a disagreement over whatever it is um we it, a rule from the outset was that we never ever um bring up something that someone has done in the past. So. It, never would you hear us say oh you do that all the time and you know last week you did that and the week before you know we just never do that to each other because it's just it's like stacking up all these wrongs against each other it's it's really unproductive and, and not very helpful so that was one principle another principle that we really like is um not letting the sun go down on your anger however our caveat with that is if we are like bickering more or whatever because we're tired that is a legitimate reason to go to sleep and that's just something that we've communicated to each other a few times we tried staying up and sorting out these petty little disagreements um, and then we kind of clocked what was going on here that we were both just knackered so we um, we now in the moment kind of say hey should we just go to sleep and come back to this in the morning in half the time in the morning we barely remember what it was even about um so we just communicate that to each other and make sure that um like we know the reason behind the argument um we also we're not really like silent treatment like punishing kind of people in conflict um but we again a caveat with that is sometimes we need some time apart just to kind of like deflate the situation and then come back and and have a chat again i remember once we were arguing in the car, can't remember even what it was about, obviously, um, and I think Mark said, right, I'm going to turn on the radio, and we're not going to talk for five minutes until that clock turns, whatever, and and actually we both just needed some silent time, not to punish each other, but just to kind of take some of the heat out of the situation, and then we resolved it, like, really quickly after that, so, um, so yeah, I think all of those things have to be used very carefully. Don't use silence as a punishment. Uh, definitely use it as like um, a time to just de-escalate the situation. Um, and with everything, like I talked a lot last week about communication and that was one of the biggest reasons that couples counselors um, see divorces happen or people coming into couples counseling needing help is that they just had lost their way with communication. Um, so in any conflict, there has to be that communication that it, there has to be an open line of it we can't just shut down brush it under a rug hope it goes away Like it has to be um, talked through at some point whenever it's the best time even if it's the next day or whatever um, so yeah I think they're my main things for conflict would you add anything?
0: Um, I think it's also remind, reminding yourself that marriage like I said marriage isn't entered into lightly um, and you can't get out of it. So, like, if you're having an argument, you can't just walk out the door and not come back. Um, especially, like, obviously, Rachel and I, we own this house together. We're both on the paperwork. We're both on the marriage certificate. We're both on Eva's birth certificate. We're both on our car insurance. We're both on every important piece of paperwork. Um, and it's not something you can be like, if you're in a relationship, you're like, oh, it's over, and walk out the door and that's it. You can't do that. You, it has to be... Um, sort through and you have to get through it um yeah so dealing with conflicts i rachel's covered most of it anyway about um not letting the sun go down your anger love keeps no record of wrongs um yeah she's covered most of it um yeah so the question is how do you as a married couple handle your finances
1: well we um play off our strengths with within this relationship, so Mark has many strengths, many many, finances, organising, um, budgeting, not one of those strengths by any stretch of the imagination. Um, he is a lot better than he used to be, and a lot lot better than he used used to be, from what I gather.
0: I'm good at spending money though.
1: <laughs> but yeah, he he's not the greatest at having like an overall idea about um, his. Our financial situation. Um, but what we really think is important is in marriage to um, communicate about your finances and if possible, even join those finances together. So Mark and I have no separate accounts from each other. Everything we have, all of our money is pulled together in one account. Um, and we just found that was the easiest way to be um, really open and honest about our spending. Um, It was the easiest way to kind of know what was coming in, know what was going out. Um, We also didn't want there to be any um, inequality in in terms of kind of our leisure and spending money. So um, we never wanted it to be that, you know, whoever earns more obviously gets a little bit more left over at the end of the month. Um, we also don't we're not really like strict about it and don't say right you have like 50 pounds to spend and I have 50 pounds to spend like we're a bit more flexible than that Um, but yeah we just think it's, it's really important to be really open and honest with your finances and the best way to do that is just have an open account where everything is seen the only difficulty with that is buying each other presents is really tricky but we've both found our own ways of doing that um, and getting around it so it's still kept a secret um but yeah I think that's quite a controversial thing I think these days a lot of people especially um from conversations I've had a lot of women feel like they want um like that financial independence um and I totally get that but at the same time I think you're not yes you aren't independent as a person but when you're married you become one so, in that sense, your your money is shared. You know, everything that I have is Mark's, everything that he has is mine, and we often joke about that, don't we? We say, like, especially when we had two cars and we had a car each, um, actually just being careful to be like, it's still our car, you can use it any time.
0: Apart from my fishing stuff. My fishing stuff <laughs> is, is only mine, yours? and it'll always only, only be mine. I
1: don't even want it,
0: so. <laughs> <laughs> See, the worrying thing is, right, that, um, When the one day comes for one of us to pass away, if it's me first, my biggest concern is Rachel will sell my fishing stuff for how much I told her that I spent on it. And not how much is actually worth that's my concern because it ain't cheap um,
1: your concern should be that I'm just gonna check it out oh yeah but start. we've
0: we've already made a decision on that and I've, I've got a really great friend that I go fishing with quite a lot and um, he's as passionate about it as I am and Rachel has already said that if I die before her she's gonna give all of my fishing stuff to him and he can then sell it and he can keep the money yeah um, so that's a very nice way of doing it yeah. um, <laughs> anyway that took a bit of a weird turn
1: and that's all we've got time for today on episode 9 of the It Is Well podcast we really hope that you enjoyed it and got something really useful from it um, as always if ever you have any questions or any comments please don't hesitate to contact It Is Well podcast and we'd love to respond to those so that is all for this week we look forward to speaking to you next week Goodbye, God bless.